Two Kids in a Career is produced by Jill Devine Media. Number one is it takes approximately 60% of the students, college graduates, graduate in six years, not in four years, which is only 40%. And the reason is, is because 60% of them are changing majors at least three times. Yeah. And that's because they don't know what they want to do. And another interesting data point is that only 27% of college graduates today are working in a role closely related to their major. And the last piece of information for your audience that I think is pretty compelling, 87% of the people that are 16 to 29 say they have no purpose or meaning. This episode of Two Kids and a Career is brought to you by Elemental Aesthetics. You can be guaranteed that your experience is going to be unique and customized to your specific needs. See how they can help you focus on natural beauty enhancements by visiting ElementalAesthetics.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Welcome to this week's episode, and I will first introduce my guests, Beth and Greg Langston. Welcome in to Two Kids and a Career. Well, thanks for having us. We're glad to be here, Jill. Absolutely, Jill. It's a pleasure. As a parent to two young children, one of the things that when you are preparing thinking about kids and things like that, you do think about their future. And one of the big things that I think a lot of parents think about when it comes to the future, education. And I feel like maybe right now, college could be a little bit of a hot topic, depending on who you talk to. And I have lots of questions too, from the time that I went and got my undergrad and my master's. And I just wish that you two were around when I was getting ready to go to school. Um, Because the thing is, most people have heard, get out of high school, graduate, you know, with your diploma there, go to college, find that four-year college that you want to go to, get your degree there, and then that degree is going to get you the job that you're going to have for the rest of your life, or it's going to at least start the career that you have And so much has changed when that kind of mindset first started. And you two are great about making sure people understand and they get the help. Because one thing, and I've said this in other episodes, one thing that I think high school doesn't prepare you for, well, two things, college and finances. And I think some of the high schools are getting better about that uh, as far as like, what do you need to do? But I have to tell you, the first time that I went to college out of high school, I was at a community college. And I remember leaving after my classes and I was looking for like the parking guard (laughs) to stop me or (laughs) I, I was like, I can just leave. I can leave. I can skip my classes and nobody is going to say anything to me. And it's, it's kind of shocking. And that was a community college go away. And that's a whole different ball game. So we have a lot to unpack in this episode. So uh, let's start with a little bit of your background and get to where you guys are today. 
Okay, well, gosh, I am Beth, and uh, I have an education degree from Purdue University, and we live in San Diego now, and for the last 20 years, we've been helping high school students to master their self-discovery and write, well, my forte in this is helping write compelling application essays that get them noticed. And so once they've gone through this discovery process, they have a much more a greater understanding of what they can write about. And Greg? And I was fortunate to meet Beth at Purdue University. She was captain of the cheerleaders and I was on the football team. Interesting thing there. And uh, I graduated from the international um, business school there that's called Cranert. And since that time, I've been able to work in 65 different countries across 10 different industries and run businesses in excess of a billion dollars. Wow. And so throughout that process, I was able to mentor professionals and students alike. And uh, that's how uh, that's how we met. And uh, maybe Beth can tell a little bit about how we got started doing what we're doing. Yeah. And what well, what we do in a nutshell, we help students figure out, you know, what their strengths and weaknesses are and what they're passionate about and naturally gifted to do. We can start that at a young age. But this is so that they can choose a major that will allow them to graduate in four years and have a fulfilling career or not go to college and go to a trade school instead or pursue another occupation that really fits their strengths better. So that's what we do. But we got started with our own kids. We raised our kids overseas. So, you know, by the time our son was 13, he had been to 12 different schools in five different countries. Wow. <laughs> so that was a crazy, a crazy time. And yeah, it was so fun though, because they got to learn foreign language and gained a great appreciation for other cultures. Like when we lived in Singapore, the Singapore American school had 76 nationalities in K through 12. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was like its own little United Nations. Yeah. But as an educator, I was always very involved in their schooling. So sometimes we had homeschool because of different school years starting like Southern Hemisphere starts their schools in January. So, and in Mexico, when we lived, we, we lived in Mexico twice and the kids were the only Spanish speakers the first time we arrived there, uh, the only English speakers, sorry, in their whole school. So they would have their homework at night and they'd come home. We've had, we had the Spanish English dictionary in one hand and their homework in the other. And we would spend like four hours plowing through translating everything. And it was crazy, but they did it. Kids can do a lot more than we think they can do, you know? So yeah. anyway, we knew we needed to get back to the States by the time they were middle, late middle school to high school to get them prepared for um, the college application process. We thought there will be so many opportunities for them to have these self-discovery processes, but we were so disappointed. Whereas Greg, on the other hand, as an international executive, he'd been provided with hours and hours of this great executive coaching that equipped him with skills and analyzed his strengths, helped him to be a great leader and a great team player. But he said, why did I have to wait 20 years to learn this? Why aren't we teaching this to our high schoolers? Why aren't we giving them these opportunities? So with Greg's executive training and my education background, we started developing tools on our own to try on our own children. Which were our guinea pigs. They were our guinea pigs. Nice. break them. <laughs> and it was working. So then their friends wanted to try these tools we were developing too. And that led to workshops in the area 
And uh, it was, it's just great. It's been a wonderful experience for us that we just want to share. We really wish that every school would incorporate something like this into their curriculum because kids need this because we see them be transformed. They gain like this wonderful clarity in knowing their values and strengths, weaknesses, purpose, goals, and deciding on a major. And they gain gain this confidence in clearly understanding and articulating what makes them unique. And they can uh, progress and use this in their application and interview processes. And then they feel a little sense of control of their futures because they have actionable plans and goals. So that's what we do. And we love it. That's how we got started. It's so, 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 so smart. I mean, when you were talking, I remember when I was at the community college, was it? Yeah, I was already starting there. Taking, I don't know, a quiz or something. I remember it was a piece of paper. They said, fill this out. And then you can add up this, add up that, and that'll tell you what you should do. (laughs) And (laughs) I remember that I had a boyfriend at the time that was kind of like, I don't really know if college is for me or what I should do. And then I told him to take this test and like nothing came up for him, (laughs) which is so discouraging in itself. But I never felt, now I will say this, when maybe when you are a teenager, maybe those resources were there and I just didn't think about them or understand them. I I will say that. I mean, I'm not going to say that I didn't have the resources, but I just don't remember anything like that. I just remember, uh, you know, there's, and it's still around the the A plus program where you can earn college credits in high school, but I just never got this sense of who am I and what will I be good at as far as what I'm doing for the rest of my life. And that manifests itself in a couple of interesting numbers. Number one is it takes approximately 60% of the students, college graduates, graduate in six years, not in four years, which is only 40%. And the reason is, is because 60% of them are changing majors at least three times. Yeah. That's because they don't know what they want to do. And another interesting data point is that only 27% of college graduates today are working in a role closely related to their major. Yeah. 27. And the last piece of information for your audience that I think is pretty compelling that speaks exactly to what you said earlier is that of the people that are 16 to 29, 87% of the people that are 16 to 29 say they have no purpose or meaning. Oh, isn't that sad? That's very sad. That's very sad. Okay. I don't know exactly if this is in your wheelhouse, but I'd like to ask a couple questions in regard to college and this emphasis of going to college. And I I like how you mentioned earlier, it doesn't have to necessarily be college. It could be a trade school, but I do believe there was this emphasis put, at least on my generation, like you need to go to a four-year college to succeed. You need to have a diploma and you need, you just need to do that. And while I understand, and again, I have my bachelor's and my master's, there is a lot of hard work that goes into 
being a college student, the discipline, the, you know, drive, all of that. But who is to say that I am a better candidate because I have a diploma versus somebody that doesn't? I mean, it's just, I don't know. I think maybe you guys are getting this, that we're placing the wrong emphasis on college. So true. And we have gotten that so much since we've put this program online and in all of our, many of our podcasts, we're always guests. We don't have our own podcast yet, but maybe um, you should, Maybe, (laughs) Um, but that is the thing. The high schools and the colleges push this. The high schools want, you know, great percentage. Everybody's going to college. I mean, that didn't used to be the trend. So you're, you're right. It's developed in this last generation, I think, and coming up with these. And now students feel like, oh my gosh, if I decide not to go to college, I might as well not even go to graduation. Because when I walk across the stage, they're not going to be able to say that I'm going to Stanford or whatever. They feel like they're second rate. And we need to get rid of that mentality. And the schools get some rating, you know, if they can push everybody to college, but do they keep the stats on how long that student stays at that college? Do they drop out? What's their debt that they mm. incur d- during those two years that they might have? And then they don't have a degree and they can't get the job they wanted to pay off that loan that they had to take to be in college. But there are so many other like apprenticeships and things that students can do. And I'm not sure. Well, I know it's a prestige thing with the high schools. You know, they want as many to go to college as possible. And I don't think college is all that it used to be. I Mm-mm. think, and and kids are less prepared these days to go and be on their own. The number one, as you were talking about, uh, you don't have to go to class. You know, you realize, right. hey, I can skip class. The number one thing is time management for students that go to college because they do have a lot of free time and they think well, I'm not in class all day. I just have this one class. Won't matter if I skip it today, you know, and especially at large universities where you are just a number, you know, nobody knows if you're in class or not usually. So there are so many things that go into this. I think another dynamic that's taken place in this last generation is the advent of YouTube Mm -hmm. in that you can learn anything on YouTube, just about, you could almost do brain surgery on yourself. It probably wouldn't work out too well, but uh, you, could, <laughs> you, you could do that in that you can learn so much. Whereas previously it was a linear education where you, you learn things in high school and then you're going to go learn more in college. Now you can learn more uh, in college and also you can learn more on YouTube. But one of the things that we encourage because for some students, college is exactly the right thing to do. Absolutely. And for some, it isn't. And what we want to do is give those that are not sure the hope that they have some alternatives. And the way to figure that out is to do internships Mm -hmm. in their high school years. And this doesn't mean just checking a box and, you know, doing something for three hours, picking up trash for three hours and saying, okay, I did this but actually doing a deep dive and getting involved in something that they think they might be passionate about because Mm -hmm. that will help them discover if that is something that really resonates with them. Our son is a great example of that. His whole life, he thought he wanted to go into the medical field. And as he got older, he thought, okay, I want to be a surgeon. Well, we happen to have a couple of friends. One was a cardiovascular surgeon. One was a neurosurgeon who let Brad come along for the summer, you know, a couple, about a month in each uh, 
genre. And oh my goodness, at the end of the summer, he came home and he says, that is not at all what I want to do. Wow. <laughs> Good thing you figured it out then and didn't go through all the medical school and all yeah. the bills and everything. Now he's in the financial world. So go figure. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, and again, we can talk till we're blue in the face about mm -hmm. all these different things that I think should happen or especially starting in the high school um, arena. And I know you guys talked about having your curriculum be a part of it, but I don't know. I mean, I have friends and even my youngest nephew is a senior in high school and I could ask, but I'm basing things off of my t time in high school. And then for a brief time um, out of high school, well into my career, I did do some substitute work and I realized like, okay, if we have in high schools curriculum like that, where, uh, for example, this podcast, what if you had a TV studio or an audio studio where the students can learn that? And there are some schools that have that. Or mm -hmm. instead of just a, a nutrition well, for me, it was home ec, but where you just kind of cook some things like really dive into it. Like if you want to be a dietitian or if you want to be a nutritionist, like have those certain things put into place. And I'm sure maybe somebody in the education world could be listening right now. Like you have no idea what it takes to get all that done and mm -hmm. the resources and the funding. But I just, if why wouldn't we want to set our children up for success? And I just don't feel like that is happening at the high school level. Yes, you're on the right path there. It, it's not. And you can't, that's what we found. You cannot rely on the high schools to do everything, you know, especially the self-discovery or the thing is you think the college counselors are going to help them, you know, prepare all this all the application process and everything, but really the national average of college counselors to students is one counselor for 424 students. They, yes, they recommend like 224 per student. In California here, we have 900 per college counselor. So they can't possibly do it all. They are overworked. And we do encourage our students to be squeaky wheels. If you have a question, you get in there and ask it. Don't wait yeah. for the counselor to have your meeting time or whatever they're going to do. The way the schools try and address that is they say, okay, take, take an assessment. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's one time you figure out, check, check, check. Like you said, you took that questionnaire and it yeah. came out that you were going to be an X, Y, or Z. Right. And uh, the fact is, you then progress with that one, you know, assignment on that one day and you're charting the rest of your life. Right. I don't think that's a good idea. Can I tell you a funny story? When I was in high school, we had those tests, you know, check, check. Okay. This is what I was going to be. Well, I was supposed to be a great garbage collector, which, oh. which is great. And I always think in my next life, you know, no matter how bad the economy gets, we still make garbage and it still has to be picked up. So there's right. always a need for a garbage collector, which that's good. Yes. <laughs> that's true. When you look at it like that. And it, mm -hmm. it reminds me too um, of a previous episode, episode 87 with Blake Schofield. And we were talking about how there was this mentality, even with my parents and my grandparents, that 
okay, if it wasn't college, regardless, whatever you did, when once you got your your big girl or your big boy job, that's what you stuck with. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, and even I think I remember hearing if you have too many jobs and change careers and all of this, then people won't take you seriously. Well, I understand if there's a lot of quitting and just flaking, that's one thing. But we don't have to settle on one thing. We can explore different options. And I just don't think that that's always put into a high schooler's head either, or even someone who's in college. Totally agree. And we encourage the students to start early. Uh, to do that self-discovery. That means, you know, when you are a freshman or a sophomore, go to a local university and just check it out and see what you like about it and what you don't like. Even if you're not going to go to that school, just learn something about the college process and see what you like. And if there's some labs, if you're interested in certain things, you can go and pursue some of that. And if you can determine certain key professors that are in the schools, they'll reach out back to you if you, Mm -hmm. as a high school student, Mm are interested in that and that will help you know make you stand out versus you know everybody else. It's really yeah. about taking charge as a family. Take charge of what you want to do with your life. Don't wait for it to happen to you. I would like to hit pause on this conversation because I want to talk to you about one of the sponsors of the podcast, Elemental Aesthetics, located in St. Louis at 777 South New Ballas Road, Suite 302 West. You can also check them out online, elementalaesthetics.com. And the phone number you can call or text 314-279-6069. Holidays right around the corner. You just want to go into the holidays feeling your best, looking your best. And you can do all of those things at Elemental Aesthetics. And I am not talking about artificial looking. I am talking about natural beauty enhancements, whether it's Botox and filler that doesn't make you look artificial or having wellness services like B12 shots or an IV therapy just to feel good. Make sure you are taking care of yourself, not only just this holiday season, but all the time. And you can do that with Elemental Aesthetics, elementalaesthetics.com. And now back to the conversation with Greg and Beth. No, no, you are your biggest advocate. And (laughs) that's the way that it, it definitely needs to be. And something that you guys were mentioning too about how it is what you want college to be for you. And and for me, I did not want to go to the community college at first. I was planning on going to a four-year college way away from home. And my parents were like, mm, nope, that's just not going to happen. We're, we're not going to let that happen. We're not paying for it. We know that you'll be 18, but that's just not going to happen. And I listened to them and stayed two years at the community college before transferring to the university that I got my bachelor's from. And for me, college was a serious thing. It was a, I want to do this. So I'm going to put as much hard work and time and dedication behind it then I think that maybe some people it is about joining the frat or the sorority or, and then that's fine too. I just know for me, my experience was definitely like, you are doing this because you want to get to your big girl job and you want to get there the right way. True. That is so true. You know, and it's, it is not 
for everybody and good for you. Oh, they say that students, though, that have to pay their own way through college also take it much more seriously than those whose parents are paying. Not not all of them, of course, but, you know, they're going to try to get it done in four years if they have to pay for it. So they better, you know, hunker down and get it done and uh, not do too much playing around. But you, again, you want it to be a great experience. Yeah. I loved my college years and I did pay for my own, but your parents paid for yours and you took yours seriously. So, you know, there's, there's always uh, different people in those categories that will, you know, rise to the occasion, but I think it's college has gotten very watered down. Yeah. What about money? Can we talk about that? I mean, do you feel equipped enough to go down that route? Um, okay. Because it's insane. It's ridiculous as far as cost. And I'm talking about the loans. Um, I understand that, that colleges are businesses. I get it. I mean, it's a business you're paying for something. And I definitely had some great, experience um, on both of my degrees and made contacts and increased my network. Great. However, there were a couple things that I did not realize as an undergrad, even into my master's that, you know, the one thing taking out with your loan, what you need, not the whole thing. Like they say here, you're going to get this amount of money. Here you go. And I think that that's also part of this counseling that needs to be done. Like you don't need to take out this full amount. Um, and the other thing is, and, and what's frustrating now is I have the student debt from my master's and the interest rate is just, I mean, all I'm paying is interest and it's so hard. And so it's like, I, I even think about our girls and thinking about that and just not wanting that to be a part of their struggle or their stress. So what do you have as far as advice with that or anything? Because it is, it's a new, a, a huge nuisance to me. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, you know, it is, uh, it is extremely expensive. There is the perception by many that say, oh, they'll, they'll figure, figure it out when they're in college. Mm. But while they're figuring it out, it's costing them on the low end. In-state college is $27,000 yep. if you're an in-state student. If you're out of yep. state, it's $43,000. Oh. A, pri- a private school is $50,000, and an Ivy League school is over $80,000. So while you're figuring it out and changing majors at least three times, you mm-hmm. can actually be running up an extra, if you stay for six years, you're running up an extra hundred dollars to $160,000 worth of debt. Ridiculous. And the current, the current student debt is $1.7 trillion. And the fact is, if a student does the self-discovery in high school to determine that, A, this is the major that I should pick, and these are the things that I should focus on, they're much more likely to graduate in four years and not have to incur that additional debt, number one. Number two is if they go through the self-discovery process, regardless of who, you know, what and, you know, how they do it, they can determine that maybe college is not the right thing for them. They not only save the time and the money from going to a college that they're going to you know, not enjoy, but they can be earning money in a vocation that they really enjoy and are passionate about. And you can make a great living as a welder, as a pipe fitter, as a home builder. Well, right mm-hmm. now you can't find <laughs> home yeah. building is going crazy. And yeah. 
as Greg said, only 27% of college graduates with undergrad degrees are working in a role closely related to their major. And 49% of recent grads accepted a lower salary or, or comprom um, compromised on benefits in their new jobs. So, you know, they think they're going to earn all this money at the get-go <laughs> to pay off these loans, and it doesn't happen that way. And the other, here's another stat. So it takes three to six months to secure employment. That's the average after graduation. Yeah. <laughs> so you still have those months to contend with, you know. Oh. Yeah. And then you're just trying to, you know, survive as, and and we're just talking about individuals with the entry level job right yeah. after graduating from college that don't take into consideration anybody who wants to go back and get their degree and they're married right. and have kids. And it's just like, I can't throw any extra at this loan. It's just not working. And it's hard. It's very hard because they're you know, are people that will say, well, you chose to do this and this is what you got. You paid for a service. Yes, I absolutely did. That's not the argument, but there has to be an easier way or a more affordable way for people to do this kind of thing. I would think so too. And we think that we're going to get that great education, but here's a stat from career builders. 24% of employers feel that new graduates are not prepared for work at all. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> well, you mentioned internships. I didn't even think about it at the high school level. I know that when I was in my radio career going to school for that, when I had met with a radio programmer, he had said, hey, the best way to get into radio is to get an internship. But in the city of St. Louis, state of Missouri, what have you, you need to get college credit for that internship, which was really the oh. main reason why I went to the university that I did. And now I know that my former employer, I'm trying to think of when it was, but they did have internships and then they stopped them because there were too many different things that HR, they said, we can't, we can't do this. There are so many different legal ramifications. And it was like, man, that's the way that you get your start. That's how you get, you want to know if that's what you want to do, or maybe you're exposed to something that you never knew about. And you're like, this is what I want to do. And so that's even been a thing that I've seen decline uh, in different areas, and it's just sad. Yes, that's why you need to be proactive. Use your connections. You know, be bold. Go as a student. Say, look, I'm really interested in this field. Could I just tag along? It doesn't have to be sort of a formal internship. Just getting the experience, seeing what it's like day to day in whatever that profession is that you think you want to do. So let's go ahead and talk about what you guys are offering for individuals with the college fl flight plan. I want to make sure that if there is a parent listening or even someone who is just considering going back to school or know someone that's kind of on this track, what do they do? How do you help them? And all that good stuff. Uh, very good question. And uh, the, the fact is we have a three-phase process. It can be completed in 12 hours. 
And not, not at in, one sitting. Yeah, not in one sitting. <laughs> and one of the things that uh, basically our superpower is that I've taken my knowledge from the corporate world and Beth has taken her knowledge from the educational world and said, okay, how do we put it together so that a student going through this process will stay focused and pay attention? And so the way it works is the videos, it's all mobile and out enabled, all web enabled. And the videos are two and a half minutes long on average, which it's very, very important because we live in a short, you know, attention span um, time right now. Yeah. And so what they do is they go through three phase process. The first one is where they discover a whole bunch of things about themselves. And the first thing they do is they pick an accountability partner who's going to help them through this process. And an accountability partner is someone who they know and trust to help them complete the project, to complete the process. And, you know, many people will say, well, they'll just pick a friend. Well, typically they'll pick a parent or a relative to take them through that process. Because the percentages. Sure. You know, the percentages of getting something done, if you say, I'm going to do it by myself, are, you know, single digit. If you yeah. say out loud, hey, listen, I'm going to lose five pounds or I'm going to do this, it goes up to 65%. If you have an accountability partner, the probability of success goes up to 95%. Wow. And so that's why we encourage students to pick for themselves, they pick who that accountability partner is. Then what they do is they identify their core values or beliefs because we don't believe that that's being taught in school. And so by osmosis, typically you take on your parents' beliefs until such time as you can pick your own. And we help the student to determine what are their primary values and what are their core values? And to kind of paint a picture for, for your audience, if you would imagine a big oak tree with a root system that goes deep down in the ground and you look at a cutaway, the roots that are down on the ground, those are your values that are holding the tree up. The trunk of the tree is your purpose or what, what you're passionate about, your why. And your goals and objectives are the branches uh, and the fruit on the tree. Does that make sense? Yeah. I love okay, that. So, so you start with your values and we take them through a process, a gating process where they determine which values are most important to them. It's all online. Why are they important to them? Who or what is impeding their ability to work with that particular value? And so then they determine with three core values how they will make decisions going forward when they're with their parents or not. And that's you know, parents really like that. And actually the students gain a sense of freedom, a sense of foundation when they know what those things are. After you've completed the values, you then go through and take a 360 assessment, which assesses your strengths and weaknesses. And this is where you pick up to eight trusted advisors who say, this is what you're really good at. And this is what you don't do very well. This is how you add value to other people and how do you interact with other people. And these are the professions that I suggest you pursue because it's best suited for you or your majors. And so the student gets back 200 data points of information from people that care about them that's confidential to say, this is what you should do. Then they take an assessment, a Colby assessment, which determines and assesses how they instinctively problem solve. And armed with that information, what they do is they put together a distinct natural ability or what we call a DNA statement, because young people are not really confident in what their wheelhouse is. But with the information they've already captured, they can now say, these are my values. These are my strengths. This is what I'm good at. This is how I problem solve. And they write a paragraph that says, this is my wheelhouse. So that when they're asked to volunteer in school, at work, or on a project, 
they know that when they volunteer for something that supports that, they're going to be successful, which is very, it adds a lot of confidence to the student. After that, they then develop a purpose statement. We take them through that process to find out what their why is. They then establish aspirational goals for health, wealth, wisdom, and relationships for the rest of their life. And people say, how can a high school student do that? Well, they do. Um, and, and in fact, as you'll hear in a second, it really impresses their, their parents. They then say, okay, if that's my, those are my aspirational goals, what are my five-year goals in education and school and life and so forth? What are my one-year goals? It's my determined phase. And so what am I gonna daily implement to support those goals? And what are some bad habits that I have? And universally, the bad habits are too much social media and not mm -hmm. enough sleep. Mm -hmm. It's everybody's saying the same thing. Then armed with all that information, they pick three core majors or a profession mm. that many times kids freak out when you say, well, I got to pick one major. No, you get to pick three core majors, one that's going to be your primary, another one that can be an alternative, and then the third that you can throw away. And what that does is that gives a student much more focus in picking a college that supports those, those majors. They then go to the third and last phase, which is the direct phase, where they develop their growth mindset which is so important with positive self-talk. They develop an elevator speech, which is a memorized 150 word, one minute speech that allows them to interview for an internship, a job or at a school to really make them differentiate themselves. And then what's most unique about the program is they, they, they complete a summary document that takes all the information that they've learned and it puts it into a 14 page document that they then present to their parents and accountability partner that says, mom and dad, these are my values and this is why they're important. These are my strengths and weaknesses. This is my purpose statement. This, these are the aspirational goals that I have for the rest of my life for five years, one year. This is the major profession that I'm going to take. And this is how I'm going to incorporate it all into my application essays. What do you think about that? And parents are just absolutely blown yeah. away. It's really fun to be in that meeting because the parents are always like, oh my gosh, do you do this for adults also? <laughs> I know. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> and, and they're just amazed at the information they get about their child that they thought they knew really, really well. I know we don't have a lot of time left with one another, but can you give me a couple of scenarios where you saw someone just go through this and something happened and it was just mind blowing and you just knew that you were doing the right thing? One of our first students was Olti. Uh, he's from Albania, actually. He came to the States, uh, sort of not an exchange program, but he had an opportunity to come over here during high school. He was a tennis player. And so actually we helped him get a scholarship to a university to play tennis. But he went through our process before, before then. And it was just amazing to see him because they really didn't have that opportunity in Albania. And, but to see him grow as a young man, you know, he was just a boy when he took our class. And then uh, he's grown as a young man, is so successful now down in Miami. What was the award? Uh, he was awarded top 20 professionals under 40 in the city of Miami, Florida. Wow. But the That's light just awesome. went off in his head. You can see that aha moment with, with the students. It's so fun. And it always comes in a different way. And, you know, we have different types of parents that you know, also come into the mix. So sometimes they're very mm, in control of that student's life, you know, and yeah. 
uh, they have to sort of be convinced by the student who does convince them that this is the way I should let them go, you know, mm, mm-hmm. allow them to go and to, you know, and also the other thing, when kids are at home, allow them to fail. We've seen kids fail under their parents' tutelage, gives them a chance to learn and collect from that and keep going and learn from their mistakes. We deal with that in our course too, right? right? It gives them scar tissue because you want to make sure that they learn from their mistakes. We have them go through a scenario to figure out what would you have done differently to get a better outcome? What have you learned about yourself going through that mistake? And it's okay to kind of ruminate and think about that mistake so that you don't make it again. So what would you change now going forward? You can't fix the past so that you are successful going forward. And that's a really interesting and a useful exercise for the student. Well, yeah, I was just thinking about this quote that I am not going to get right, but something along the lines of when you fail, it's not about showcasing your weaknesses. It's developing and showcasing your strengths. Like you learn from that. And I think that that's so many times just in general in life and everything, when you do fail, you just focus on the negative, but it's, it's about what you learn. It's about what you can take from that failure because we all fail and how you present it to help you with something else in the future. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My definition of failure is from Winston Churchill. This is not mine. It's his, mm-hmm. which I really like. It's success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Ah, yes. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I do want to know before you give out all the details and how people can get a hold of you, but is there ever a time when a student comes to you and you just know that they need a little bit more time? Like, I would have to say, listening to the different processes, I mean, you got to be ready. You have to know. And and again, like you said, having the accountability partner is going to help with that. But can you tell if someone is just n- not quite there yet and you just are like, eh, come back in a couple of years or anything like that? Well, a, a lot of times um, the students approach it like, oh no, just another course to take. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're already busy enough, but we find the sophomores and juniors, actually anybody who's taken it, if they have that sort of attitude, once they start this discovery process about themselves, they they start to dig in. You can okay. see it. Oh my gosh, that's fascinating. Oh, I didn't know that about myself. Oh, that's so helpful. You know, all these things that come out of it. So we, we understand the reluctance of a student sometime is, you know, mom and dad want me to take this course, but once they're in it, they love it, right? That's true. And we have three versions because we know that we're also meeting with families at different stages. And so, you know, sometimes you have, you have a senior whose hair is on fire and they're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What am I doing? And so they can go through the program, the full 12 hour program. Uh, again, not in one sitting, there's a six hour program that has a little bit less. And then for those that need more handholding, which we have students around the world that, that we do this, where they go through the 12 hour program, but then we have a follow up, a Zoom call with them on a weekly basis for up to 12 weeks to make sure that they're on task. Ah, that's awesome. Okay. How do people get a hold of you and get ready to prepare themselves for 
a very bright future. Well, they can contact us directly. Beth's email address is beth at collegeflightplan.com. My email address is greg at collegeflightplan.com. Obviously, the website is collegeflightplan.com. And for your listeners, we've created a parent starter kit uh, for teen self-discovery, which really provides a lot of information, much of which we've talked about today, but there's a whole bunch more, some key statistics, five early actions that can lead to college success, some free assessments and ACT stuff, as well as scholarship information. So they can get that by going to collegeflightplan.com slash guide. Awesome. Thank you for that. And I will also have all of this information on my show notes at jilldevine.com. Thank you for spending some time with me today to talk about something that I know will have to be discussed in the future with our girls, but just feeling a little bit more prepared and also, even for myself, it kind of feels like, oh, I got to vent some of that stuff out. And I'm glad <laughs> I'm not alone in this situation right now. Again, I wish you two were around uh, a little while ago, but you are here now and you're here for those individuals moving forward. So thank you both, Beth and Greg, for spending some time with me and for all that you're doing to help these students get to have the career of their dreams. Well, thank you, Jill. We appreciate being on your show with you. Absolutely. It's been our pleasure. Our next episode is episode 95 with Nicole Johnson. All right. So any parent is going to relate to this episode because, in my opinion, the one piece of advice that is always given to new parents or existing parents or expecting parents sleep advice. (laughs) The good, the bad, and the ugly. So I needed to get an expert on to talk about it. Nicole Johnson is the president of the Baby Sleep Site, and we're going to talk all things sleep in the next episode. As we wrap up this episode, I would like to remind you about taking care of yourself, and you can do so at Elemental Aesthetics, one of the sponsors of the podcast. The thing about Elemental Aesthetics and the owner, Jennifer Mormon Bloss, They really do customize every experience for every client. So you may make an appointment or come in for Botox, but that's not what you need. And what I mean by that is Jennifer and her team, they're going to work with you and talk to you and make sure you get exactly what you want that's going to be the most beneficial and is going to make you feel the absolute best. So I strongly encourage you to check out elementalaesthetics.com elementalaesthetics.com get ready for this quickly approaching holiday season by giving them a a look online or you can give them a call 314-279-6069 and now it is time for this week's super mom shout out brought to you by Addie's Way the super mom getting the shout out is Amber she lives in Columbia, Missouri and the nominator her friend Cassie Cassie says, Amber is an incredible mother to sweet Lennon. After an unimaginable birth trauma, Lennon sustained a brain injury and has spent many weeks in the NICU. And at five months old, Lennon continues to face many challenges. Amber has been an amazing advocate and works hard every day to help Lennon in any way she can. Amber is absolutely a super mom. And if you would like, you can see more of Lennon's story on their Facebook page, Lennon's Yellow Brick Road. Amber, I see you and I support you. And 
I, I don't even know how hard this is for you. I can only imagine, but just keep fighting. And you're going to receive a super mom tote courtesy of Addie's Way. Whenever you carry that, I want you to remember that you are seen, you are supported, and you are a super mom. If there's a super mom in your life that you would like to nominate, all you have to do is email me, hello at jilldevine.com, or you can go to my website, jilldevine.com, and I have a super mom form right there for you to fill out. That's exactly what Cassie did to get me the information about Amber. And I want to thank you for your support of this podcast. If you could subscribe, rate, and review it, I would greatly appreciate it. That just helps the podcast get in the hands of some others that may not know about it. As always, thank you for listening to Two Kids and a Career.